Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities maladies, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The biting arctic wind cut through the layers of my gear as our helicopter descended onto the desolate, ice-covered landscape. The frigid air stung my face, a stark contrast to the warmth of the briefing room where Commander Anderson had informed us of our mission. A group of Navy SEALs led by me, Anthony, and an occasional camper were sent to investigate the mysterious disappearance of scientists at a United States research facility in the Arctic. As we touched down on the snowy ground, the bleak expanse of the Arctic greeted us. The research facility loomed in the distance, a solitary outpost against the icy backdrop. Our team disembarked, each member adjusting their gear, prepared for the unknown that awaited us. Approaching the facility, an eerie silence hung in the air. The only sound was the crunching of our boots on the frozen ground. The metallic scent of blood reached my nostrils and my heart quickened. We cautiously entered the facility, finding it eerily silent and devoid of life. Signs of struggle were evident with overturned furniture and shattered glass. A weak moan drew our attention to a corner of the room. There we found a man, battered and bruised, close to death. His raspy breaths barely formed words as he croaked out a chilling tale. The scientists had been attacked by creatures in the snow. Enormous beings resembling a snowy version of Bigfoot. Before we could glean more information, the man succumbed to his injuries. 
Determined to uncover the truth, we ventured into the nearby woods, where the tracks of the mysterious creatures led. The towering pines loomed overhead, their branches weighed down by the heavy snow. Following the massive footprints, our breath visible in the cold air, we felt a sense of unease creeping over us. The tracks led us deeper into the forest, but at some point they disappeared, swallowed by the relentless snow. We retraced our steps, frustration mounting, and returned to the abandoned facility. The atmosphere grew tense as the shadows of the forest seemed to close in around us. Suddenly, the tranquility shattered as a menacing growl echoed through the trees. Massive, shadowy figures emerged, the creatures we had only heard about until now. Their fur blended seamlessly with the snow, and their glowing, predatory eyes locked onto us. Panic set in as the creatures lunged forward, teeth bared. A fierce battle erupted between our SEAL team and the formidable creatures. Gunfire rang out in the icy air, mixing with the ferocious roars of the creatures. Chaos ensued as we fought tooth and nail to survive, using every ounce of training to combat the relentless onslaught. After what felt like an eternity, we managed to regroup and retreat, calling for backup as we fled the treacherous woods. The creatures pursued us their howls echoing in the arctic night. Backup arrived just in time, and together we repelled the creatures, forcing them back into the shadows. As we caught our breath, I relayed the harrowing encounter to Commander Anderson. Skepticism furrowed his brow, dismissing our account as a result of stress and fatigue. However, the haunted eyes of my team spoke volumes. We had faced something inexplicable in the arctic wilderness, a chilling menace that defied explanation. In the summer of 1984, I went tent camping near Mount Hood for a week. I can't be entirely sure, but I believe it was around Zigzag, Oregon. After several days of camping, I was feeling quite grubby, so I decided to head to a shallow creek to take a bath in a small pool. The sun had already set, and the last traces of light were fading around 8.30 in the evening. That's when I had the distinct feeling that something or someone was watching me. Startled, I glanced up and saw a silhouette in the twilight. It was crouched down by the creek with its hands in the water, as if it were washing them. As I made eye contact with this mysterious figure, I was initially gripped by fear, thinking it might be a bear. My glasses were off at the time, which added to my uncertainty. But then something strange happened. It was as though I heard a voice in my head, almost as if someone was speaking to me, saying, I'm not gonna hurt you, and you're not gonna hurt me. This unexpected reassurance flooded my thoughts. I quickly reached for my nearby glasses to get a better look. However, when I turned back, the figure had vanished into the bushes. I recall the creature as being dark brown, covered in four half-inch hair all over its body. I didn't see anything in its hands. It appeared to be in the midst of what I could only describe as cleaning itself, washing its hands. When asked about the message I received, all I can say is that the answer seemed to form in my mind, a message of peace and understanding. It was as if we both agreed silently that we should part ways and continue on our separate journeys. It happened on a stretch of Highway 6, situated between I-5 and the rugged coastal region. The day was slowly transitioning into evening as my companion and I were driving along the desolate road. The dense foliage seemed to press in on both sides, encroaching upon the highway's edges. We were several hundred yards away when it first caught our attention. An imposing figure suddenly emerged from the wilderness and boldly crossed the road. It moved swiftly and with a purposeful gait, as if it had a destination in mind. My heart began to race as I struggled to make sense of what I was witnessing. As we drew nearer to the point where the figure had crossed, I was struck by a strange realization. The foliage at the roadside was dense and impenetrable, as if no one could have passed through. 
The figure, which had appeared so large and imposing, had vanished into the thick underbrush. I knew in my gut that this was no ordinary encounter. It wasn't a hiker or a hunter, as there was an unmistakable air of mystery about the figure's appearance. It moved with an intention, as if it was aware of our presence and was deliberately crossing our path. I strained my eyes to catch every detail, but all I could discern was a tall, towering form, exceeding six feet in height, and it was unclothed, devoid of any distinguishable attire. The entire encounter was over in seconds, leaving us in stunned silence, driving along the highway with a sense of wonder and disbelief. This enigmatic encounter with the towering, unclothed figure would remain etched in my memory, a moment of sheer perplexity and intrigue. It left me with more questions than answers, wondering about the mysteries that dwell within the depths of the wilderness and the secrets that remain hidden along the highway. I was eleven. I was staying up all night playing video games when I heard something outside in the bushes. I was paranoid and the blinds were wide open, so I looked outside and saw reddish, orange eyes. I could also barely make out a face with a snout. I fell back in fear and heard a howl outside and then footsteps getting further away. When I got back up, two minutes later, it was gone. During my school summer break in 2017, I spent my days lazily lounging at home and watching TV. Bored one day, I decided to go outside to see if I could do anything with my chickens, like feeding them worms and snails. Before I go into more detail, let me explain the area where I live. My home is on the outskirts of the city I reside in. At that time, I had about five to seven chickens and we hadn't expanded the co-op yet, so it was a small pen connecting to two sides of the chicken cup, which was wooden and sturdy. The only ways to get into the co-op were through the trap door attached to the big door and the three windows. One window was on one side of the door, and the second window was on the other side. The third window was a large one, and all of them had traps connected to them so they could be closed. We had seven acres of woodland that we called the Backhaster, and it was a popular habitat for local deer. At that time, there was also a wild boar roaming around, though I wasn't sure how it had gotten there. We had been having troubles with poachers, given the high deer population in the woods. One poacher had even set up a motion, activated trail camera. An old rusty deer stand had been put on a tree a long time ago, and the tree had grown around it. Beyond our acres of woods, there was a large cornfield owned by our neighbors, and beyond that, there was a forest. I didn't know what the forest was like beyond that field because we'd never been there. So one day, I went outside to do something with my chickens and brought along a bucket of corn for feeding the deer afterward. When I walked out of my house, I saw a doe sitting in the tall grass. At first, I thought it was sleeping, as its head was down and it wasn't moving. Being the curious person that I was, I decided to sneak up on the deer to get a picture of it to show my mother when she got home from work. I crept as silently as I could across the yard, which separated me from the deer. I should also mention that we had a clearing with a burn pit filled with cedar branches. When I had cleared the burn pit and was about ten yards from it, I realized that the deer wasn't asleep. It was dead. It was the most disgusting sight I had ever seen, with its intestines completely gone, the flesh shredded and blood everywhere. It seemed like it had been sitting there for a while, and the stench was unbearable. Strangely, there were no insects around it, making the forest seem unnaturally lifeless. As I left the bucket at the beginning of the trail, intending to come back later with my mother to examine the deer, I started to walk back to my house. After taking a few steps, I heard a low, snarling growl that sounded like a wolf, though it seemed distorted like an old radio. Against my better judgment, I turned my head around and saw what looked like the biggest wolf I had ever seen. It was on all fours, with black matted fur, a broad face, and a short, snarling muzzle. 
Its eyes were a dim, deep, amber, red, yellow, and its ears resembled those of a Doberman pincher with a cropped effect. Its front legs were long and muscular, and its paws looked more like large hands with long claws. The creature stood up, emitting a sickening, popping sound, and it was incredibly tall, towering over me. Despite being about 10 meters away from it, I realized it was significantly taller than me, a 5 foot 4 inch person. It lacked a tail and seemed to tower over me. I was about 5 foot 4 inches at the time, nowhere close to its height. It was so tall that the tip of its ears could almost touch the top of a young cedar tree. The creature let out a loud howl that was more like a roar and it charged toward me. Fueled by fear and adrenaline, I began to run, clearing my yard and reaching the safety of my house. I slammed and locked all the doors and windows. As I calmed down a bit, I realized that if the creature had wanted to kill me, it could have. What I experienced was not an attack but a bluff charge, a common tactic among many predators in the wild. Although this encounter happened almost two years ago, it still terrifies me to think about it. The deer had disappeared the next day, and ever since that evening, I've been wary of those woods, only venturing in during broad daylight and never without a weapon. Unfortunately, I cannot say that I'm one of those people who have stopped experiencing things after the encounter. Although I had only nightmares for a month after that day in June, nothing really started to happen again until about two months ago. During a night when I was staying up playing on my laptop, I started hearing things moving around on the porch. I turned on the light and saw the shape of something huge disappearing behind the corner of my house. There was also one of the rare times I ventured into the woods after the first encounter. I was helping my mother clear brush from the hunting clearing, going to get the mower and walking the trail to do so. But I heard bipedal footsteps following me off to the side. They stopped whenever I stopped and I eventually ran out of the woods. I haven't been back since. I asked my late grandmother about the creature I had seen, and she informed me that there was something called the Wolfhead Man that stopped the Kanza tribe from preying on small children who strayed too far from their tents. Later, my history teacher informed me that my house had been built on tribal burial ground, which has since made me wonder if that had anything to do with it. I hadn't heard about the Wolfhead Man before my grandmother told me about it, when I saw that there were several eyewitness reports that were proven to be truthful, it made me feel a lot better about coming out with this information. I had attempted to tell people previously, but everyone either said I was stupid, crazy, or just a liar. One thing's for certain, I am not stupid. I am not crazy, and I am most definitely not a liar. I know what I saw, and what I saw was a dogman... I live in El Paso, Texas, and back in 2007, I moved to the Lower Valley for about seven months and lived in some very decent apartments. I was 16 at the time, and it was before I figured myself out. I would get bullied a lot because I was the new kid, and because of this, I would sneak out at night and walk around my apartments to clear my mind. I would always witness very strange things, like a girl dressed in white flashes of a man hanging from a tree, unexplained shadows and lights, and much more. I wasn't the only one who would witness this. Everyone would, even my own family. But the one thing me and my family will never forget are the owls. A week before I moved from there, my best friend at the time wanted to spend the night and spend as much time together before I moved back to central El Paso, closer to Juarez and the city. Well, he ended up becoming ill and did not want to spend the night, so I walked him home. When I came back, I laid on my couch and stared at my closed curtains. Outside there was a light, so if anyone would pass, we would see the silhouette of the figure. As I laid on my couch, I kept hearing this strange flapping of like wings of a bird. I didn't think much of it, so I put my ears phones and listened to my iPod. I continued to stare at the window simply out of boredom, and then something strange happened. 
I saw a huge bird fly right by the window and turned into a woman. The woman stood there as if it knew I could see her, and as quickly as it happened, she walked away. I could hear her footsteps disappearing into the empty staircase outside my apartment. For a long time, I kept this to myself, simply because I didn't want anyone to think I was crazy. Three days before I moved out, there was an owl on the tree where my window was, but I did not want to think much about it. So I simply walked in and proceeded with my night walk. The night before I left for El Paso, it happened again only a bit different. I saw the same thing I did before, only this time she didn't stand. I saw the owl turn into a dark-skinned woman and then sprint off as if she was running from something or as if she was scared or in danger. I obviously never went outside to see, mainly because I was a little kid and scared out of my mind. So about four months after we moved, my mother called us all into the living room for a talk. The conversations we had made me feel like I had my sanity back. I knew I was not crazy. My mother, my brother, and I had seen the same thing, only at different times and places. My brother saw it from far away outside as he was walking home from a friend's house. He said he saw an owl turn into a woman and ran off into the field. My mother had experienced it many times as she came home from her late-night shifts. Many times far away and others only feet away. I want to know if anyone has experienced these things with owls. Does anyone know any type of folk tales and myths and stuff about these creatures I wish to know more? I came across your channel and I was listening your podcast about the Chicago Wing humanoid sightings that you've investigated. I also noticed that there have been sightings reported in the Rockford, Illinois area. I had a strange incident occur a few years ago and I was wondering if you could give me your thoughts on it. Even though it's not a winged humanoid, it did involve an unexplained creature in a weird darkness. There are a few public hiking trails near my house in northern Illinois in Winnebago County. Rock Cut State Park is very near me as well. I'm an amateur photographer and there were great opportunities to take nature photos. I was particularly interested in taking photos of songbirds and I would always see a greater variety on this trail. I don't know how many times I hiked that trail, but it had to have been several dozen. I never once felt anything strange there. But then again, I always stayed on the trail. Once in a while, I would venture maybe 10 yards into the woods to get a good photo, but that was it. A smaller trail split off from the main trail deep in the woods. You could tell it was definitely not part of the state park trail, but it had been well-traveled. I never saw anybody on it, but I rarely ever saw anybody else out there at all. My experience happened in late July 2021. I had just gotten off work and I wanted to get some photos in the evening light, so I headed out to my secluded trail. The sun sets about 9 p.m. in the summer, so I had plenty of time after work to hike that trail and to be back to the car before dark. My hike seemed normal enough, but when I got to that small trail, I noticed that it was roped off. The Park Service had posted a sign that stated Hidden Falls area, erosion damage, and to keep out. I should have heeded the sign, but I wanted to see the waterfall for myself since it could be a good photo opportunity. So down the trail I went. I didn't notice any erosion damage on the way down, but I had never been on that trail before, so I didn't really have anything to compare it to. The trail led almost straight down and the foliage became denser. I could hear the waterfall well before I saw it. The forest suddenly opened up and there it was, the hidden falls. It was almost magical, something straight out of a fairy tale. The evening sunlight pierced through the trees and lit up the falling water. I immediately pulled out my camera and began taking photos. I was only there for about ten minutes when I heard laughing. It didn't sound exactly like a human voice, though there was something off about it. I looked around and I couldn't see anybody else. I called out, but I didn't get a response. I started to pack up my camera. But when I heard the laugh again, and this time it sounded like it was coming from the stream itself, I listened closer and I was certain it was at the stream. I stuffed my camera back into my bag and I wanted to get the hell out of there. 
But just as I stood up to leave, it had suddenly gotten dark. I don't mean dark like the sun was setting. I mean dark like the middle of the night. I looked at my watch. It was 6.45, and I knew I had about two hours of sunlight left, but it was dark. I could see stars through the gaps in the trees. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew something wasn't right. I had to get myself back to the car as fast as I could. I got on the trail heading out and used my cell phone as a flashlight. As I climbed out, I heard the laughing again, but this time it sounded like it was coming from the trees. So I aimed my light at the trees, but I couldn't see anything. Then I caught it. A pair of eyes reflected back at me. They stared at me for a moment, and then the laughing began again. I held the light towards the creature, and it showed itself for just a moment. It ducked from beneath some branches and stood there in the light. It looked like a coyote standing about 30 feet up a tree. It looked at me, tilted its head, and it smiled, but not like a dog smile. I don't quite know how to describe it, but I knew it wasn't a coyote. As soon as it revealed itself, it laughed again, and I ran. I could barely see where I was going, but I didn't care. I knew that I needed to get away. I have never felt such relief after I reached my vehicle. The sky was light again, and it was as if nothing had happened. I have not gone back to the state park. I've never figured out just what that coyote or whatever actually was or what it wanted. I never made any inquiries since I had no plans to ever return. In 2015, my friends and I went to Mexico, Chapa State, for a holiday. We rented out a bungalow with forest and stuff at the back. They went out to get more beer and just some shopping, and I was left behind to have a shower. After yelling that they were going double-lock the door, they leave. The shop was about a 15-minute walk away, and I was literally just going to wash my hair, make tea, and watch some TV until they got back. About five minutes went by, and I heard a knock on the front door. It was weird, as my friends had keys to this apartment. I just guessed that they were too lazy to use the keys and forgot something. I literally got out of the shower with lather in my hair and was walking towards the door with a towel just wrapped around me. The door had a panel of textured glass in the middle, and I could see this massive entity standing there. My friends and I are quite small, and the guys have blonde hair. This thing looked big, tawny brown with spots, and was very tall. Whatever it was, it was tapping on the door, and I was standing at the entrance to the kitchen, just peeking around the corner. I don't want it to see me, and I slowly crouched down and crawled to the sofa. It's still tapping. After what seemed like ages, it just walks off, and the textured glass returns to normal with nothing on the other side. My friends came back, and one of the guys quickly opened the door and said, Oh my God! We were walking back, and we turned the road. Where the room is right, and we see this massive thing. It looked like a hyena. That's all I can describe it as, but only it was walking on two legs. At least someone else saw it. I told them about it coming to the door. He's still going on. Yeah, and as we saw it, it started making a weird yelling and growling noise. I swear to you, it walked off on those two legs and into the forest. Do you have any idea what we may have seen? It was around 10 p.m. on January 3, 2017, and I was riding around in my car with my girlfriend. We live in Lee County, Florida. We saw a lot of stars out in our neighborhood, and we thought it was romantic, so I parked my car at the side of the road, opened the roof window, and stargazed. Then all of a sudden, we heard an extremely loud bang that sounded like a gunshot, but it came from the sky. My girlfriend and I were startled. Then we looked up to the sky, and that's when things got weird. We saw a multicolored light of some sort, but it was streaking quickly across the sky. The sound got louder, and the situation didn't look too good, so we tried to drive away, and that's when the impact occurred. The shockwave was intense and made my car. My girlfriend and I bounced, probably a few inches off the ground. 
I asked my girlfriend if she was okay, and she looked like she'd seen a ghost while staring at something behind me when I was faced in her direction. I turned around and saw a car-sized shiny metallic object smoking and stuck into the ground about three feet deep. We got out of the car to get a closer look, and it seemed the object had individual little plates shifting and attaching to the other plates. I never felt so scared in my life. Then I realized it wasn't a meteor or any type of craft. It looked like technology, but nothing I'd ever seen before. The plate shifted to a kind of star shape, but were still completely visible. My girlfriend screamed in fear when we both saw the entire structure melt into what looked like a black liquid. We ran to the car and I tried to start it, but it, it wasn't working. It didn't even make a sound. We looked back at the object and it was growing taller, but we didn't hear any noise from it. We jumped out of the car and ran as far as we could. We looked back only to see the object solidify into a giant mechanical nettle humanoid figure. It turned around and quickly followed us down the road until we found the edge of the forest in our neighborhood. We climbed up a tree and hid there for about seven or eight minutes, praying not to die while I was trying to calm myself and my girlfriend down. I was able to take a photograph while looking down at the humanoid. I've attached it to this email above. The giant metal humanoid stopped looking around, so we both climbed down from the tree. I questioned reality that day. I know that this whole affair seems crazy, but it did happen. I was around 13 and very experienced by then in the woods and as a hunter. My family dropped me off on the opposite portion of the hunting land. We were leasing in South Georgia, United State of America. At over 1,000 acres of timber, they could not even hear me shoot where most people were hunting. I was dropped off in the darkness over an hour before sunrise so that I could hike the mile to the deer stand. As I stood in the darkness to allow my eyes to adjust, I could hear a pack of feral dogs yipping and howling as if they were chasing a deer. I was making my way quickly down my trail and noticed that the dogs were getting closer. I thought to myself that if I felt they were closing in on me that I would get up in an old rotten stand midway to where I hunted. If they were a deer, they would run past my position, and if not, they would scatter, trying to find my trail. The sounds of the pack intensified, and it sounded like they were at the road where I was dropped. I hurried to the midpoint and could tell they had picked up their pace. I scurried up the makeshift ladder and got into the stand with my heart pounding. Then the most chilling thing occurred. They fell silent. I stood in that stand with my heart pounding, straining to listen for their approach. Suddenly they were there bursting from brush around the trail. In total, I would say there were over a dozen dogs of various breeds that had gone feral. No collars on any of them. They stopped and fanned out, sniffing once my trail was broken. I slowly turned and shifted my stance to get into a firing position. Since these dogs were clearly hunting me, they were a hazard to anyone in the wood. I started to raise my rifle when a very large chow chow looked up and started growling. The pack all started barking as the chow snarled and kicked dirt around it. This made it clear who was going to go first. My first chow was true and killed the chow instantly. I immediately went to work to take out as many as I could. The pack immediately ran the opposite direction and headed to even heavier brush and young pine trees. They melted into the forest rapidly, and as I fired, many shots were blocked by small trees. I was only able to take a few more of the pack out, but I, I think I made my point as we did not encounter any further sign of them on the property. It was probably 15 minutes before I stopped shaking from the encounter. After I calmed down enough to climb down, I was still stunned with processing what had just happened. I continued on to my deer stand and was able to harvest the dough and met my family at the road at my pickup time. I was out bootpacking above the tree line, had a few friends with me. This was when snowboarding was my career. We were riding down to the bottom ended up going through the trees and came up on a closed pist near the bottom. 
saw a small kicker, jump, and hit it with far too much speed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I was excited. Landed and couldn't turn quickly enough and rode off a cliff. It was near vertical with large rocks protruding that were mostly covered in snow. I fell about 10 meter before I even touched the cliff. Then as I hit the cliff face, I was falling through very loose powder and bashing rocks, still upright with my snowboard. My board got snagged on a rock and I leant back and came to a stop. There was easily another 30 below me before it started to run out. I wasn't hurt, but I was stuck. My board was wedged, and it was the only thing holding me down. I saw a friend who was at the back of the pack ride passed further down the trail as it snaked into view and the back out of view again. I yelled like crazy, and he paused then, just rode off even though I was still yelling him. So I was on my own, no signal, no way of communicating, radio left in my bag at the top of a lift we often use. Took me about ten minutes to decide to chance it. I started waiting one leg to see if my board would slip. It didn't. I unstrapped one foot, twisted my strapped-in leg 180, and kicked around to find footing and leaned by hand on the underside of an exposed rock. I found it eventually and tried to free my snowboard. I gradually climbed out. As the top of the cliff was fairly rounded off, it got easier as there was more snow so I could kick my snowboard in and kick a hole from my other foot. Had to have a word with myself after that as I'd kept myself and others safe for years riding back country and I nearly feel to a severe injury. Right next to a closed fist because I was complacent. I was turkey hunting once on some land my aunt's family owns. And when I was walking through the woods, I noticed an area about six by six that had maybe 50 little red flags stuck in the ground. When I came out of the woods, I asked my uncle about the little flags, and he said that a guy killed a girl in the 80s and left her body in that spot. Those were the little police evidence flags I was seeing. It was creepy more than anything. When I was eight or so, my dad and I went fishing while camping at a pretty well-known river, but is infamous for being extremely dangerous. While fishing on the side of this river, sitting by a rocky cliffside, we suddenly hear rushing water. I look at my dad and instinctively start running up this cliffside and get behind a massive boulder, and my dad follows me. Instantly, a wave of water hits the boulder, separates, and goes around the boulder. The water rushes down the cliffside, wipes out all our fishing gear, and goes into the main river. My dad and I sit there behind the boulder for hours while being surrounded by this rushing water. Eventually, it gets to a point where we can hop from big rock to big rock while avoiding getting swept by the still rushing water. We go to the park ranger's office, and my dad gives them an earful. Apparently, they open the dam, and we happen to be at the base of that opening. No signs, sirens, or other indicators. Or them releasing the dam or building a restricted area. Around 1994, I was living near Nashville, Tennessee, in a small neighborhood called Antioch. This is in Davidson County. I was out walking my dog one day, letting the dog do its business out in the front yard, when I could sense something was watching me. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, and everyone around there was at work except me. I could just feel something watching me. I started looking at the woods directly in front of me. I couldn't see anything, but I did hear leaves rustling in the trees. 
so I started looking up towards the tops of the trees. The only way I could describe it, and I don't even know if the movie had come out yet, was the cloaked alien in the Predator film. In the movie, they saw that invisible creature where you could see the outline of everything, but you can see right through it. It was sitting up in the very tops of the trees where it wouldn't hold the weight of a man by any means. This thing was as big as a man. I just stood there looking at it when I saw a quick flash of its eyes. It was a sudden bright yellow glow. I let go of the leash, and I took off on a dead run towards this thing. It literally started running across the tops of the trees. I know what I saw. While running, I thought about what I was doing. I then thought, what in the world are you doing chasing this thing? I stopped and it stopped about a length of a football field away from where it started. It turned around and looked at me again with the flashing yellow eyes and then it took off out through the woods through the tops of the trees out into the deeper woods. I didn't see it again. It scared the hell out of me. I never ever told anybody about it because I thought people would think I was crazy. This occurred in September 2022 in the Wood Creek Reserve neighborhood in Katy. It was approximately 11.30 p.m., so I saw this girl standing by the side of the road. She looked like she may have been a preteen. I pulled over because I thought I could help her. She was just standing there, and I thought it was weird that a kid would be standing by the side of the road that time of night, so I pulled over to see if I could help. The first thing I did is I called it in. When I looked up, she had moved, and she was in front of the patrol car standing in the headlights. She was looking at me. She didn't seem afraid or worried, and I thought that was weird, so I told dispatch. I went to get out of the car, and just as I was starting to open my door, I saw her eyes. At that point, I didn't want to get out of the car. I realized that her eyes were totally black. I mean, completely black. She must have seen that I realized that because she started to approach the car. It took everything I could do not to drive away at that point. I mean, I'm a peace officer of the law. It's my job, but it was this visceral thing that just took over. I can't describe it, but all of my training had just gone out the window. Everything in me just wanted to get the hell away from that girl, but I stayed. I rolled down the window. As she approached me, I asked her where she lived, and she mumbled something. I leaned forward, and then she suddenly attacked me. This ungodly voice was then coming out of her. I had no idea how a human could make that voice, but I was trying to push her off of me. She was trying to pull me out of the car. I was screaming at her to get off. Me get off me, and then she said something. I can't get those words out of my mind, she said. We're going to die tonight. Why would she say that to me? I struggled to break her grip. Then I heard a loud crack. Then she went limp and she fell under the road. I thought that I may have seriously hurt her. I quickly got out of the car to see if she was okay. Then suddenly she stood up like nothing had happened and she ran away into the dark night. But I could hear her laughing. She was not human. I'm telling you... When I got back to the station, I told my supervisor what had happened. He told me to ignore it and to not write up an incident report. I still patrol the same area. I believe that she is still out there roaming in the night. She was just not human. These incidents took place during my childhood years up until the day I graduated from high school in La Crosse, Wisconsin. We lived in an old three-story brownstone apartment building with a basement apartment. The whole building was owned by the family. Initially, my grandmother's sister lived in the basement with her family and her two brothers occupied the second floor. My family was on the first main floor and my grandmother was on the third floor. She believed in the superstition that if you moved down a level, if you lived in an apartment, you would soon die. She continued to climb the three flights of stairs even though she was very arthritic. As the years passed by, her sister and her immediate family eventually moved out and the two brothers on the middle floor pass away. 
The basement level was now empty, and my mother, father, sister, brother, and I continued to live on the first floor. The second floor was empty, and my grandmother still resided alone on the third floor. There was never a thought of renting the vacant rooms. On several nights while we were asleep, out of nowhere the front door would slam waking everyone up. After a few seconds there would be footsteps moving up the metal stairs, followed by footsteps shuffling and creaking above us on the second floor. My father would jump up and rush to see who broke into the house. No one was ever there, of course, and things would be quiet again for a few weeks, and then it would happen all over again. The apartment was usually cold and drafty, so we would all stand next to a wood stove in the pantry because it was our heat source. On several occasions, we would see a faint apparition of someone walking towards the stove. Once in a while, we would think someone had come home and would say hello, only to be greeted by nothing. When I turned ten years old, my mother was sleeping on the third level to help care for my grandmother. My mother recalled one incident when she woke and saw me standing beside her bed. She asked what I wanted. I turned, walked away, and disappeared. There was another incident where she rushed out of the bathroom on the first floor and was frantic because she heard her mom scream for her. My sister and I were shocked because we didn't hear anything. On another occasion, my grandmother's aunt had been sick and was in the hospital. We were driving home and my mother was resting her head against the window when suddenly she rose up and shouted, Oh my God, Aunt Jean just died. I just saw her face. My father looked at the clock and it was about 7 p.m. When we got home, the charge nurse was calling to let us know that she had passed away at the exact time. The most memorable incident happened when my brother and I were talking about the weird stuff that occurred in the house over the years. I said, yeah, like the old guy who used to watch us sleep. I was sort of half joking since I wasn't sure if he had ever known since it was never brought up between us. He turns and answers, you mean the guy that stood behind the dresser in the living room who leaned over with his hands behind his back. As he was talking, he duplicated the way the apparition moved exactly. That really freaked me out. This has happened in a village in Bangladesh. Basically, a 13-year-old girl apparently met a figure while going to the toilet at school. She then started to talk to herself. Got sick and body bloated up within three months, then died. Clarence could not afford to have her tested in hospital. Now parents and two remaining siblings are acting strangely. Both siblings are also sick, saying they all will also go, telling all visitors to get lost. Basically, the family lives next door to our family home. Money has been offered for hospital treatment. Thought I would share. This is second-hand information which my mother got. I personally think a supernatural entity caused this in first place. We'll provide update if possible. Thought I would share my first post. We was outside. I lived backed up to a forest. Dark enough to need slights in the forest or field or at the end of the steed where there's no light. My daughter made a loud shrill noise. Something made a weird noise back. The kids wouldn't be quite so I could hear it, but I swear it sounded behind my house. Kids minutes later decided to go play tag in field or edge of forest while we sat at edge of yard. Can still hear them, but not see. Not even five minutes later they come running, crying, saying they saw taller than the trail sign, seven feet, eight feet, all white, including its head skinny but its legs weren't as long as its torso. No hair on two legs. Glowing eyes never left the edge of the forest. They said they saw the eyes first, and by the time I got the flashlight and got back over there, they swore it walked into forest other side. My daughter swears it was just watching them when they locked eyes. Northwest Kentucky. This goes hand in hand with my sis stating she saw similar. 3 a.m. April 2023. Let dogs out. Heard crunching of forest material and dog went off turned on cell phone, flashlight, and seen a white, tall, gally-looking creature in the tree. 
Black eyes tall. Can you tell me if this is it? What are we seeing? It never wants to interact, just watching runs if we typically shine lights. What does it sound like if it's a crawler? Please help. I was walking with a dog in the woods of Connecticut, and we were standing basically still as she was sniffing around. About 50 feet from the trail, I hear a lot of ruckus. Like a lot. My first thought, what a mountain biker. But I don't believe their trails run along where I was. Then high schoolers hanging out or something. But this was during school hours. I kept looking, and in that direction like an animal on alert. I saw something white. I saw no other color. Nothing of definition, but it was solid. I'd say a little bigger than me. I'm five foot six. 100 pounds, and he moved quickly from behind one tree to another closer by me. I was in army green, so my thought was, it was a lot easier for me to see it than it to see me. But that kind of movement is deliberate in my mind. Then I heard the noise, maybe 75 feet to the right. After that, the noise stopped completely, and I was thoroughly scared, like stopped. I was mostly scared because it seemed so unnatural, and if it was human or animal, I'd think my German shepherds would notice it way before we heard it. I've heard of people doing witchcraft in the woods the next town over. I've always seen a lot of cairns there, and today a gnome statue sitting on this big tree root overlooking the water. I'm sure it was nothing but my brain definitely picked up on it. What could it have been? So about three weeks ago, I went out with my cousin and my dad and dog to set up a trail cam outside the cave entrance on our property. We drove 30 minutes to the property from the city and picked up my cousin along the way. We made it to the property and drove through the field on the property towards the tree line where there is an old fence that leads to a mostly dried up creek. We use as a path through the woods. There were no cows in the field. They aren't usually this time of year. I haven't been to these woods in a while, so I was surprised to see a family of deer my the tree line in the field. As I said in my other posts, the woods don't usually have very much wildlife, but I guess that has changed. Once we made it to the old gate by the tree line, we got out of the car and started walking down the dried creek. We eventually got to a small waterfall pond we used as a major landmark, I should note that we found no bones this trip. This is the first time I have ever not found bones. I have no idea where they could have went. We checked all the spots. We usually find them, but nothing. We started to walk up the side of the hill face towards where we believed the cave was. We kind of got a bit lost trying to find the cave until our dog ran through a small tree line. And when we followed her, we found her sitting in front of the cave's entrance. Me and my cousin put on our headlamps and got our flashlights and entered the cave. We took the dog with us, but our my dad stayed at the entrance of the cave. At the mouth of the cave was lots of scat of varying sizes. Mold was growing on a lot of the scat, and it was kind of hard to breathe. We will definitely bring masks next time. We made our way through the cave, finding more moldy scat. The air was completely still. When I shines my flashlight ahead of me, I could see the particles floating in the air were completely stationary. It was pretty cool to look at. We found a lot of cave crickets and one bat that we tried not to disturb. Deeper in the cave, we knew was a chamber that we were going to stop at. We continued through the cave till we found something weird, which is the main reason I'm making this post. Skin. On the floor of the cave was a tattered, warped piece of raw hide or some sort of leather. If I laid it out flat, it would have been 1.5 by 1 foot surface area. I have no clue what it was from or how it got in the cave. I'm assuming a coyote had carried it in and was chewing on it because it looked pretty beat up, but really rubbed me the wrong way. My cousin took a picture and we kept going. We made it to the chamber, and it was filled with large scat. It wasn't too big to have possibly been a really backed-up coyote, but it was definitely big. The cave went deeper, 
But to go deeper, we would have had to crouch down and get wet, and we didn't feel like doing that. Deeper in the cave, we could see some pieces of torn clothing. My dog tried to go deeper in the cave, but we didn't know what was back there, and we didn't want her to go without us, so we called her back and exited the cave. Me and my cousin set up the trail can on a tree at the mouth of the cave, and we began to head back to the car. I will have to go back soon to retrieve the trail cam and its contents. I have moved the past, the idea that there is a crawler in the woods, or at least if there ever was one, it's not active at the moment, mostly because we didn't find any bones a trip, and it seems wildlife has returned to the woods. My brother did just recently tell me a story that my dad backed up. He says that he once found a dead cow with its eyes missing in the woods once, I'm going to go back for the calm, but I really want input on the skin. How did it get there? What was it from? Do animals keep skin? Is it possible for something to decompose and leave just its skin behind? So, I was driving down a two-lane freeway with my partner around 11 p.m. There was a field to my right that I was very dark and further down the road. The field connected with a river. There was a bridge to cross the river and down in the roadside ditch. There were two sets of round, reflective yellow eyes, but in pitch black. I thought I was looking at deer until it clicked with the forward-facing eyes and the reflective yellow. I think I seen crawlers. Also, this takes place in southeast Ohio. I live in Florida, and although I've traveled a bit, I always felt this is home. My family is originally from New York, but we've lived here for quite several years. I was young and was living with somebody in a trailer out in a horse pasture. There was a campground, Mayaka State Park near Sarasota, just on the other side of the pasture, and we had made friends with the people who ran it. It was late summer, and a bunch of the campers got together because they would be leaving soon to go back home so a bonfire was being held that evening. There was a trail that led into the campground from where the trailer was, and everyone had gathered at our trailer for a farewell BBQ, then moved down to the campground after for the bonfire. After I had cleaned up the BBQ mess, it was getting dark, so I was pretty much the last one to arrive. The fire was started, and we all stood around talking. It was about 9.30 p.m. I was standing beside my friend on the outside edge of the fire when I happened to look across at the tree line. There is a fence there with low-lying palm scrub. It divides the other half of the pasture from the campground and back trails. As I looked in that direction, I saw two big red eyes staring back at me. The outline of this thing was pretty big by the glow of the firelight. The palm scrub is about four feet tall, higher in some spots. Not taking my eyes off this thing, I quietly whispered to my friend to look in that direction and don't scream. She did, and she whispered to her husband. He said softly to the group, not to make any sudden moves. We were talking softly and alerting everyone in the group about the red eyes, and everyone looked and saw what we were seeing. There were eight of us all totaled. My girlfriend's husband returned with a flashlight and rifle in hand. He handed the flashlight to my friend and told her to shine it at whatever was in the scrub. When she did, this thing stood up and made a growling sound. My friend's husband then shot at it, and it screamed like nothing I had ever heard before. It took off into the brush, and everybody, except me, in the group ran to get flashlights and whatever to arm themselves with. My friend and I were told to stay by the fire. About that time, we heard the horses screaming in the pasture, and they hurried to the field. After a while, they all returned. They could not find anything and would resume the search at daylight. The next day, blood was found at the fence area, and a horse was dead. Its neck was broken, and its body was badly ripped apart. Searches were continued for a couple of days, and no one spoke about what happened. After several things happened where I was staying, we left. This was not the only time I have encountered a large red-eyed being. 
I believe this was in fact a skunk ape or Bigfoot that after being shot at purposely killed that horse. I have on another occasion encountered one again at night which chased me through the woods while walking home from my friend's house. I had not known at the time that a body was found in that area and that the arms of that poor soul were torn from their body. I was lucky. So I made a post a while back about something I saw in Michigan when I was in 5th, 6th grade. I moved to SKA a few years after that. I haven't seen anything since. I've been back several times, never saw anything like it again. So I'm driving home a couple buddies today, and all three of us see this white thing on all fours book it across the road. We all don't know what it was. It was fast. It looked like its legs were maybe bent 90 degrees at the knee to the side. It was all white, no idea if it was fur or skin. It was so fast we could only catch a glimpse of the legs. I damn near hit the thing with my car. We were all a bit spooked, but we were trying to think nothing of it. My one buddy is pretty spooked, so he invited a friend to come stay over. That friend who was going to stay over saw the thing too while he was pulling into my friend's neighborhood. I should point out I live less than a mile from this friend and the two sightings were less than a mile from my house. I live in a pretty big area but you can get some woods here and there. I'm installing a dash cam tomorrow. I've had it forever. I don't know why I haven't installed it. We aren't sure what to make of it. But we are all spooked, so be spooked with us. The Neighbors I'm not sure if this is where I should tell this story, but I guess I'll start somewhere. Me and my wife moved into our home a little under two years ago. The first year, we had some interesting interactions with the locals of our new town. They told us stories of our home and the father and son who had both passed away in the house. The father of old age and the son of a heart attack shortly after. I was on the fence of believing in the paranormal until we started noticing objects moving like our dog's balls and toys at first. Until it turned into larger objects like shoes and decorations. Odd objects that didn't belong in our yard showing up on our back stairs, things like doctor hinges and random pieces of ceramic. The house across from us was assumed abandoned even though we saw people every now and then going inside, until recently when a middle-aged man showed up to live there. Immediately after moving in, he got two young pit bull puppies. Both of them were white with brown spots in them. Me being a smoker, I go out nightly around 11, 12 for my final cigarette. I noticed some strange noises coming from the backyard and never really thought much of it. The other day, my wife asked me if the gray dog had always been over there. And now I noticed that the second white and brown dog had been replaced with a gray dog. Nothing I was very stressed about until tonight. While out on my smoke, I noticed a pack of deer in the field behind the neighbors. Normally our deer are terrified of humans, but this man just calmly walked through the pack as if they didn't even notice he was there. He bent down to try and pet his puppy, who seemed to growl and back away from him. He looked over at me when this happened and slowly stood up and continued into the home. No lights turned on when he went inside. Being a little freaked out by this situation, I made my way inside slowly. I sat on the couch for a few moments so I could look out my living room window and keep an eye on this house. Still no movement or lights for about ten minutes. Then the blinds slowly slid open that face, my house. I turned off the lights in my home and made my way to the bedroom where I'm typing this story. If anyone has any idea of what's going on, I'd appreciate some help and advice on where to go with this. I was thinking maybe a skinwalker or or a watcher of some sort. Maybe one of y'all have some information I could read into. I'd like to share these stories because it has always bothered me that I have not found an explanation for what I've experienced. 
About six years ago, I was living with my mom in a house built in 1914 in the city of Redondo Beach, California. It's a bit of an outdated house, but the yard is huge and the home is cozy. When we first moved and my sister heard a little boy whisper in her ear, come play with me, we brushed it off and told her she must have been dreaming. However, my mom later experienced countless encounters with said little boy as well. Incidents were so far apart we kept brushing them off as half-asleep, daydreaming nightmares. Until one night I experienced something that didn't let me sleep for days. I got up to use the restroom around midnight. The bathroom door was cracked open and I could see through the bathroom mirror that my sister's boyfriend was standing behind the door. I awkwardly waited for him to get out since he was taking too long and I really had to go. I even began asking him if he was all right. I could see him clear as day, not moving. I then switched on the actual light. We had a night light in there and there was no one in the restroom. I used the bathroom in shock because I convinced myself I was imagining things. Went back to bed and laid there frozen. A few weeks went by and then again I got up around midnight to use the restroom. This time I saw my six foot one little brother standing behind the door with his gray sweater. He just got for Christmas and his fresh haircut. I knew he was trying to scare me. I mean, come on. It's my little brother. I start yelling at him to stop and get out now. He doesn't respond, so I say, that's not funny, and push the door all the way back. The door didn't hit anyone. This time I screamed and ran back to my room. I began to pray. I knew this time I 100% was not imagining anything. After I prayed and put a religious verse under my pillow, I never saw anything again. Not sure if it worked or it was a coincidence, but a year later I moved out. My mom still lives there. We recently celebrated my son's birthday at the house. It was dark and we were picking up the trash when we hear a little boy outside the gate saying, Mommy, open, Mommy. We run as fast as we can to open because we think we locked my two-year-old nephew out of the yard. When we get to the gate, no one was there. My nephew was inside safe and sound the whole time.